Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Ema Jackson-Obot, Deputy Features Editor at FT Advisor. The pandemic forced businesses to shift their models virtual as they had to adapt and improve their technology to continue operating. For some advisors with years and years of experience dealing with clients face-to-face, the change was somewhat of a challenge, while for others it was easier. But there is another set of advisors who have only known the virtual world. Despite the challenges brought by lockdown, many firms have reported that a good number of new advisors have joined their business in the past year. With me to discuss their first year as new advisors in lockdown are James Wallace from David James Wealth and Emma Prince from Quilter Financial Advisors. Hello to you both. Hello, Emma. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us today. So, Emma, I'll come to you first. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about what attracted you to the industry and what you were doing before? Yeah, of course. So, um, I had worked in the banking um, sector um, when I started out a while a while ago after university but um, I ended up working in the corporate world and um, doing business analysis and being a commercial executive and um, I traveled the world in that job and then I had a young family and it wasn't viable to carry on doing that so I was looking for a career change and something that be flexible to family life and um, my husband is actually in the financial services industry so um, when we were sort of talking about the options that I had he suggested thinking about becoming a financial advisor. So, um, so what happened is I had a look into it. I spoke to some people from the advisor training school at Quilter. And uh, when I sort of looked into it and thought about the skills that you'd need to, to use for an advisor, I thought I fitted the bill quite well. So um, then I sort of looked into it. So I looked into it and uh, yeah, decided let's give it a go because I like the idea of helping people and uh, and having a rewarding career where I'm helping people reach their goals and having confidence in their finances. Okay, thank you. And how about you, James? So my background is is actually as a pensions lawyer. Um, so I sort of spent eight years working at a couple of law firms in the city. So Alan and Overy and Baker McKenzie, and I enjoyed law, but I love talking to people about their finances. And a bit like Emma, I enjoyed the idea of helping people make the best use of their hard-earned cash because working in, in the law sector, everyone works incredibly hard, yet most people, most of us, don't actually make the best use of the money that we have. And effectively, it's, it is a bit strange. The last year and a bit have been very strange. My first day actually was the first day of lockdown was my first day in the new job um i was meant to have uh, some of my chartered exams and they were all cancelled and so then i just decided right i'm going to start now that we're all in lockdown so all i've ever known is this whole new world um in financial advice but it, it was quite a scary decision at the time to leave to move careers um after spending eight years in another career is obviously a scary decision, but it's definitely been the right one to do. And the goal of helping other people sort of drive their own purpose-driven life and fit their objectives is great. So it's just, it's a real passion. I'm loving it, but it's certainly such a strange time to be starting in a new profession. Very much, very, very much so. Um, I mean, how did you find your training how did it prepare you for role as a financial advisor and then on top of that a role as a financial advisor under in a different um, environment to what you would have expected 
So I'll maybe let Emma, do you want to go first? Because I know you went through the advisor school, whereas I did something slightly different in terms of the approach. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't mind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I went through the advisor school and um, yeah, the training, we did a lot of learned a lot of technical knowledge, um, which was a huge learning curve for me as I'd worked in the banking industry for about a year and then I'd, I, I sort of changed to different industry to the manufacturing industry. Um, so I it was all very new. And it was a steep learning curve and um, applying, you know, learning that technical knowledge and practicing it through exams, writing um, essays, etc. And you did they did touch on the soft skills that you would need um, in, as a financial advisor, but not to a great degree. We practiced the odd role play. Um, but, there's, you know, it's completely different when you're first sat in front of a client on your own in control of, you know, of the meeting. Um, what happened when I sort of started out on, you know, when I was sort of got, got my qualifications and I was regulated and I had my induction and I had my first meeting um, I had a mentor within the company and that was really helpful. Um, it meant that I could sort of talk them, talk through, you know, the process of speaking to clients um, all the documentation that we needed to do guided me through the, the process from end to end to deliver say a piece of advice to the client and um, what I did realize speaking to the client because it was very scary a bit scary at first you know I've never done this before thinking what to expect um, my first client was actually a friend of mine so that helped matters um, and I, we, I went through the process and she was actually quite new I was doing the investment new to investing so I was doing a lot of education on what you know on, on the ways that we can invest and um, I really enjoyed it. And at the end of the session, she got back to me and said, I'm so pleased that I got in contact to do this. It's, it, you're so good, you know, and it was, I'm really pleased that we're going down this journey together. Um, and, and since then we've been, you know, I've been helping her do investments for her children and for herself as well, which has been great. And having that mentor to discuss things has, has definitely helped me. Also, I guess from day one, I had a coach, so this coach helped me with the soft skills and skills that not necessarily related to financial advice, but if you were sort of starting out on your own, because essentially I was starting out from scratch as a self-employed advisor. So the coach helped me think about what my business plan was, what my strategies would be, how I was going to find clients, because I, I was going to be given no leads whatsoever. I needed to find them on my own. And um, so that involved different marketing strategies, talking about whether I would use social media, whether I do networking, etc. So that really did help me along the journey because she was there for me from the start. And it definitely it definitely was invaluable. And I'd recommend re recommend that because, you know, once you've passed your exams, that's just the start. I think you have to build on the experience and each each client is different. And I'm learning every day. So it's that, I do really enjoy the job because it's it's just so rewarding, but also different every day. I think James, you wanted to add to that. Yeah, yeah it's so experience you said. Yeah, so my experience, because I was a pensions lawyer for about eight years, I sort of did the exams just on my own, and then decided um, to, in terms of 
picking what company I went to, um, how I then engaged in the market. And as Emma was saying, I mean, the key thing really is actually, it's not all just about the investments. Um, it is a focus with clients on framing, on behaviors, on um, how they actually order things and think about things in their in their life. So it really is that full holistic planning with clients. And so actually you go through the training, you learn all you need to learn, but actually it's then about the interaction with clients and what their purpose is, because actually once you've decided what the client's purpose is, once you've talked to them about that, they are then able to basically have a discussion about what their future actually looks like and that's incredibly important from the client experience and in training at least for advisors there's plenty of options now that are out there the key thing is we need more people in the industry there is a huge advice gap out there and so many people need advice often they don't actually think they think they're not wealthy enough to have advice but actually, a lot of people are. And even if they're not, they should still speak to someone because most of us just love to help people and we'll have an initial chat with them just to put them in the right direction. But in terms of the sort of training going forward, it really is about more encouraging advisors to get into the behaviours that drive client focus sort of advice and that's what I see as key so many people sold out at the bottom of the market last year and that's a huge issue that's that's just simply not having a purpose for why someone is investing and if they concentrated on that purpose over the long term you make a real difference and that's what I love about this job because you can really help people in all walks of life and as Emma was saying before everyone is very different and that's great. It makes our jobs a lot more exciting. Um, so that's kind of my experience of how I kind of got into this industry, if you like. And it, it was a change. You know, I went from a very high earning job as a lawyer. I'll never earn the same as an advisor again. But it's because I love it and you make a real difference. Um, and it's a huge changing industry. If we look back over 10, 15, 20 years, changed dramatically. And well, I like to think for the better. <laughs> Thanks for that, James. Um, you did talk about the advice gap. I wanted to touch on that, actually. I mean, why do, you, why do you think not enough people are perhaps joining the industry in order to fill that gap? I mean, is there still a, a slightly skewed perception about the industry that some people have? And do you think there's more that the industry could do to help with that or help promote the, the how good the industry is? Exactly. I think there there is a problem in the industry in that a lot of people, A, think that Financial advice is just about investment. Um, anyone can go onto an app and, and click a few buttons and do it themselves. So people need to start thinking about it's not just about the investment. The average age of a financial advisor is 58. They're actually largely all male. Um, Emma is one of the sort of pioneering new sort of faces into the industry, which is brilliant. Um, but in terms of a lot of those advisors, they're gonna drop off. They're effectively going to retire and getting into the industry is a lot harder. So without advisor schools that are popping up now, making a career change in the middle, in your 30s, in your 40s, is very unlikely for a lot of people. It's, it's, it's more difficult, it's harder, and so therefore you don't have the people that are coming through to fill the advice that's needed. And then not only that, but from a pensions angle, before it just used to be you would get to 65 and you took an annuity, whereas now, you have to think about so much involved in planning, you know, 
do you do drawdown? Do you work longer? Do you take a pension commencement lump sum? What, what are, how much do you actually need? There's so much that you need to actually think about. And for the vast majority of people now, it's not just as simple as put in, you know, 8% a year and, and they'll be able to retire at 65. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with what, what James has been saying. It is so much, so complex, the financial world, whether it's investments or pensions or even mortgages now. Um, it's not simple for people to go away and, you know, sort everything out themselves. There's so much involved. Um, and in terms of, for me, when I was looking at careers, it wasn't something that was you know, highly publicised about being a financial advisor. I didn't, you know, I had a maths degree, but it wasn't something that I had in mind. I was thinking of accountancy or becoming an actuary. Um, and yeah, so it was, wasn't something I considered. Um, and when I did my training, I noticed um, there was only one female out of my cohort of trainees. I was the only female. Um, and I really think that, you know, it's, it's a shame that there is, you know, it's, there is a lower amount of women at the moment in the industry because they've got so much to offer. Some people, some women need advice and want to speak to a woman, for example. Um, and yeah, it, it should be equally, you know, be enough equal amount of female and male advisors. I think um, I'm always happy to talk to people who are interested in going into the industry because I absolutely love it and I think it's a great career choice, particularly for females because it can be flexible um, and it's, it's rewarding. And the reason when I looked into it, I thought, yes, I'd like to do this, is that I realised that everyone needs financial advice, um, not just people with money. Um, there's so many things that people can do, little steps to increase their financial well-being, their financial future. And that's why I've, I have that passion to help people from all walks of life with their financial planning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that insight. So, um, I mean, let's talk about lockdown. <laughs> um, it's all you, you've both known really under you know, in your new careers. Um, Emma, what's, what's the experience been like? And what would you say were your biggest challenges, maybe perhaps the hardest part, and what surprised you the most? Yeah, of course. Well, I've got three young children, so that was a, a challenge in itself, trying to start out as an advisor and homeschool at the same time. Um, what I had to do is set dedicated times to, to work on it. And um, I did do a lot of evenings as well. Um, with, with the lockdown, it was harder because I, typically uh, you think you meet people face to face in person um, to, to, to get to know them and to, to help them in their financial journey. And uh, the whole world was turned upside down and we needed to uh, adapt. I started um, pretty much at the same time as James, a few weeks after. So we couldn't, we couldn't go and see people. We couldn't go to face-to-face -to -face networking events. So I did have to embrace technology. I found Zoom like brilliant, you know, could still connect with people on there. I um, started going to online networking events and meeting up with other professionals that where we could help each other and talk a little bit about what we do and, uh, and how we can help each other. I do think obviously there are benefits of seeing people in person because you can build up that rapport a lot easier. So I guess it was a little bit harder not being able to do that and it might take a little bit longer 
meeting people online or whether it was on the phone to develop that relationship um because again we're starting from scratch and it you know it's not exist we don't have existing clients so it's you know getting people to know like and trust you um it's uh, it's been yeah it has been a, it has been a challenge and there's some some clients i have that haven't actually got the internet and they might just have their mobile phone the other day one of my clients um who i've worked with for for a while now he i gave him a call just to catch up see how things were going and he said to me like halfway through the call emma i've got some good news to tell you i've been holding off for a little while i said oh what's that and he goes i've got myself a smartphone so you don't have to come down and visit me and um, we can chat on on the on my phone and he was so happy about that bless him um, it was it was really good you know a, you know a guy on his in his 70s has uh, embraced the technology and it shows that it is possible that we we you know got to know each other on the phone he'd never met me in you know in person he'd never even seen me on screen yet he trusted me over a series of phone calls and and we built up that relationship so it wasn't easy but you know it shows that it can be done and i think you have to just be adaptable um to change you know in the finance industry things change regularly um but we didn't expect this to happen um but it's actually you know it's it's worked to some benefit for me because i've got clients that perhaps i may not have had um before because a lot of it's done remotely so geographical location is not an issue Thank you, Emma. And um, how about you, James? Well, it, it's interesting that, that Emma mentioned trust because that is the key thing that you need to build up with clients. And it is harder to do, you know, remotely. So most of my, almost all of my interactions with clients has been remote. So it's been via Microsoft Teams, Zoom, everyone embracing technology. One of the key benefits that I found to that is you deal with so many clients from right across the UK that I wouldn't otherwise have dealt with that wouldn't come to an office in London, for instance. They might be out remote. You know, I'm from Dumfries, Southwest Scotland. You know, you might have people from up north. There's someone I'm dealing with from Aberdeen, for example. You would never have had these people if it wasn't for the situation that we're in. So there's huge opportunities that have come from effectively the pandemic, forcing everyone onto technology, forcing everyone uh, to engage in this way. And one of the ways that I found was using webinars. So I ran a number of webinars over the last year and one of them, I got over 70 people attending simply a webinar for 30 minutes on why people often fail to achieve their financial plan. And it was all around the behaviors that usually most of us then struggle with in terms of ourselves as well. Us as advisors, we I use a, another advisor for my own things because I know that I exhibit these type of behaviours um, that make it more difficult to achieve whatever the purpose is that you set out. So it's really why everyone should have their own advisor. But some of the gains that have come from it are around the technology and the other providers that are actually embracing it. It is incredibly hard for most people to deal with things like pension transfers themselves, get information from providers, 
it is a frustrating process. Now, a lot of them are using things like DocuSign. It's much easier to get that information. And yes, it's still quite shocking. There are some of them that aren't. Uh, and again, it's just time consuming. And that's just one of the challenges that hopefully will change in the future that come with this. But again, as we go back to this model of moving back to a limited amount of face-to-face -face and a bit of you know, online. I think most of my business is probably going to continue to be online, actually. But again, it's just that building the initial trust that is the hardest thing, really. Okay, great, great. And and how easy or difficult has it been to find new clients? Um, both plus, you both have um, experience of working in a regulated environment already. But how have you found that as a as a financial advisor, um, Emma? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely. One of the biggest challenges, finding clients um, as soon as you start out, it's like I mentioned before, I, I got a business plan and had some ideas on, on what to do. I did, you know, I didn't know about um, networking where you meet with, you know, business owners, other business professionals, where you can talk about what you do and perhaps collaborate with them or support them in, in, in some of your expertise, support them with your expertise, or they might even pass referrals to you. So I started that straight away. Um, but of course, it takes time for them to know, like, and trust you. So you don't get the clients straight away. So what I would say is I've learned that starting from scratch, things don't happen straight away. Um, it takes time to build that rapport so that people will refer to you perhaps, or people, you know, go to you for financial advice. Um, as I mentioned, people I knew, you know, I told about that I'd become a financial advisor. So I helped a few friends and family um, and, and, and built it from there. I had a couple of people that, that I knew in my network, my own personal network that referred to me. And then I did um, some networking. I did try some, you know, I think the key is to try lots of things and see what works for you. Um, there's so many different things you can try. I think having a coach helped me. I did try, for example, sending some leaflets out and I had no response from that, unfortunately. But afterwards, I was thinking about it and, uh, and my coach said to me, sometimes people need to receive things two or three times before they register to think that they need that. For example, I was thinking I get a leaflet quite regularly through my door every few months about um, driveways because what our drive needs doing. And one day I'll pick up that leaflet and think, yes, I'm going to do it today. And uh, so I think that's the thing with, with, um, with starting out. It, it could be slow, but then suddenly once you start to get that momentum, it really does pick up. And, and I'm, I'm pleased to say now that every day I'm speaking with clients about doing client work you know, the shift starts to change from the amount of time you're spending marketing to the amount of time you're, you're, you're doing client work. I still think marketing is very important and you should never stop doing that. Um, and because, you know, you don't know how long the projects you're working on will, will, will last for. Um, so definitely do a bit of both, but always look at your time management and, you know, ensure that you're making the most of your time particularly when we have lockdown challenges and uh, and children to look after for example it's um, time efficiency is key and being organized is 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 so important 
I don't know if you you agree to that, James, about organisation. Oh, I mean, it's it's critical. You you always have to be very organised, especially as you're building up your business. Um, I think I think from my angle, I, I was probably in a, a lucky position in that my background as a pensions lawyer for seven or eight years it sort of puts me right in the middle of what is quite a complicated area, and I already have such a large amount of industry knowledge in that area that I was able to then apply to, you know, lawyers, partners, people in the law industry people across the board in the city and that's been quite helpful in terms of people over the last year have needed to do something and inertia is the biggest sort of failure for people to they just sort of put it in a drawer they get their pension statement each year like you said they'll come to you eventually but the problem is they do need to deal with it the question is then just engaging with someone so it doesn't have to be me people engage with they just need to engage with an advisor because doing something is what is critically important for people. And so that's the thing that I found in terms of building up my sort of practice and business area is it has helped that background side of things because I understand what a lot of lawyers are going through and the challenges involved in being so busy that they don't actually have time to sit down properly and think about things and put themselves first, which is actually what they have to do, especially as everyone's sort of working so hard at career juggling so many other things like let's face it pension planning and investment planning is really sometimes at the back of people's mind i mean it shouldn't be and i love it but uh, for most people <laughs> the love of pensions isn't quite there yes i agree james when um i think of like some people i work with or folks on women you know might have busy lives might have children they are you know they're juggling the household bills um, everyone's, you know, outside activities and the finances are often bottom of the list to address. Like you said, you have an advisor. I've, you know, I've used mortgage advisors in the past and they're invaluable to just mm. have the experts to, to help in those areas that, you know, you don't have time for. And it is just allowing people that opportunity, isn't it, to sort of stop and think about what they want their life to look like. What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What are their aspirations? And that's not something that you usually think of a financial advisor being involved in those yeah. sort of discussions, because it is almost a bit like a life coach. You're asking someone, what is it you want your life to look like? Talk to me about it. And then once we kind of understand what motivates you, then that's when we devise that plan, that personalized plan that makes it possible. And building in that flexibility, like you said, to deal with the sort of transitions that life is going to go through, these sort of ups and downs. You know, who imagined a pandemic, for instance, hitting? We didn't. And so it's about dealing with those ups and downs and giving people confidence um, in what they're doing. And actually just getting started is the key thing to it. And that's really the main message is go and talk to someone. You'll enjoy it. Have you found that the age group has been quite mixed, a mixed bag? Um, clients, you know, we've seen quite a lot in the news recently about younger people, younger investors, people with smaller pots of money who are who are really um, concerned about their financial future, they want to protect their financial future, they're turning more towards advice. So have you found a mixed bag when it comes to the age group of people that you're dealing with? 
So for me, I've, I'm mostly dealing with people in their 30s, 40s and 50s, actually. And then, you know, some complicated pensions, bits and pieces for people that are older. Um, I guess that's where my kind of experience starts off from um, in that age category. And it's people that I want to help. It's the accumulation phase. It's building people up from where they are now to where they need to be to give them options in life. So in terms of engaging with advice, people often think, think this isn't something I should be doing until I get towards retirement. Well, really, you should be doing it as early as you possibly can because it will make the biggest difference in your life. The thing that I'm seeing at the moment are young people are getting engaged. So people in their 20s are engaged with investments, but they're probably doing what I did over a decade ago, which was picking a couple of stocks and thinking, oh, I'm investing my money, whereas actually, um, in my case, it's definitely gambling at that point. Um, and there's a lot of stories in the news about this, but the key thing really is about having that purpose-based plan and not just picking an investment because you think, oh, that might grow. Because actually, we don't know what the market's going to do. No, no advisor will be able to give you and tell you you'll be able to grow their money by X. It's just, you know, people have to take risk. That's the key thing. And I'm not going to tell you if you invest tomorrow, it could drop tomorrow. That's that's fine because you're investing for 20, 30 years. That's what happens. <laughs> yes, I think, James, you've uh, raised some really, really good points there. Um, and in terms of the age range that, that, that clients that I'm working with, they do range. Mostly, I would say, young families, so in their 30s, 40s. Um, which is a great time to, to look at your financial planning because there are so many areas we can look at, whether that's pension planning, even just putting a little bit away. You know, it might seem a long way off, but the, um, the commutative um, compound interest on those, on those can make a big impact. Um, they might have children, so they want to look at protection. They might be saving towards a, a home or a bigger home. And there's so many areas in keep you know it's a key point in their lives when financial planning um can really make a difference i do get a lot of inquiries from retirees as well because they're another key point where they need to decide is it the right time to retire so that is um quite a lot you know quite common age i get like in the 50s thinking about um planning for retirement the the other you know the other sort of group of people that I do sort of help a bit is the self-employed. So you know I think um, you know the way employment has changed over the years. There's a lot more entrepreneurs, a lot more self-employed people that don't get the benefits that you know employed people do, such as company sick pay, income protection. So this this sort of group of people are starting to to feel that they don't have protection and they need to, to get these things in place. So that again is, is probably linked a little bit to the young families sort of age group. So, um, so yeah, I think it is changing in terms of the ages that people get advice and it's definitely, people are thinking about it earlier, which is great. I think that's the key is that people need to think about it earlier in our generation because mm. there's a massive generational wealth gap that is going on that is only going to get bigger once people realise they're not having the final salary pensions that their parents, their grandparents had and that actually 
their retirement is going to be different. It's not going to be the same unless they actually engage, figure out what they want. And, and that's a sea change because before people never really had to think about it. They always had that backup. You would work for your big companies. You would then have your guaranteed pension. You would go off into the sunset at whatever age they used to do it back in the day, 55, I think some of the schemes retired early at. Um, well, that's different now. Mm. Um, and people need to realise that. And also, as a generation, we need to engage with that about is that really fair in terms of the approach that we have? There's so many things that we have to think about from tuition fees to families to funding for various different things and now then also to planning for their future it's really tricky and it's only going to get harder and the clients i guess that i deal with it's everyone from across the board people starting off to people that have multi-million pound pots um but everyone needs advice and then it's about managing that all in the best way possible but yeah, I, I have a thing. It's, it's 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 making sure that people of our generation are realizing they have to save for their future, and then figuring out what they actually need, and that's the key thing. Thank you, um, Emma. Thanks, James. I mean, now that lockdown is easing, can I ask what you're both looking forward to, and um, how do you think you might need to adapt your skills to prepare for that as well? Emma yeah. can go first. Yeah. Yeah, um, so as I've mentioned, a lot of my clients are all over the country and quite a lot are actually the other side of the country. So, you know, when lockdown is over, I'm not going to be sort of knocking on their door straight away, traveling over there. Um, but, you know, I will do if, if it's necessary. And uh, I think I've got clients locally and it will, I'm looking forward to, to meeting them face to face just to, you know, it helps with the rapport, helps with the relationship and the trust to, to to really meet them in person and find out a bit more about what they're about. Sometimes on Zoom, it can feel a little bit sort of, you know, who's going to talk at what, you know, once and on 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 camera and just to, to you know, meet meet the clients and find out really, you know, what's so important about them in, in, uh, in that way. Um, I think there is benefits to seeing people in person, but of course, there's extra things to consider, like what am I going to wear? What, what, where are we going to meet? You know, how long does it take to get there? And some of these things cost money as well. So, you know, you've got to think, is there a business reason to meet in person? Um, so it's really, I would speak to the, to, to the clients and, and see what, what are their thoughts on it. Um, in my mind, I think it would be sort of, I'd like to do a hybrid of still keeping Zoom, but still meeting people face to face. Um, and definitely with sort of networking, um, I've already been to um, a face-to-face -face, um, in-person networking event. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had some food and some wine and it was great fun. Um, and it has sort of solidified the relationship a little bit, which is great. So um, I am looking forward to, to meeting a few more people in person just to get away from, from the four walls and, the, uh, and, the, and the, the computer, really, because I think in lockdown there can be a tendency that you just you want to keep working and it's nice just to take a trip out and, uh, and focus on, on, on a particular client or a particular sort of professional connection. Thanks. And the uh, same to you, James. I mean, what are you looking forward to out, out, of, out of lockdown easing? 
Well, I'm, I'm quite jealous already about the face-to-face -face networking that you, you attended. Um, I think what I'm looking forward to is an element of meeting people in person. Like I personally thrive on interaction. Um, I don't see that model being full model. I do think it's going to be hybrid. There's no way that we're going to go back to full face-to-face -face advice for everything. Um, it is much easier for clients just to pick up the phone, to go on to Teams, to share things, to share documents, bits and pieces on the screen. That will continue in my view. It's also quicker and easier. You can deal with more people um, and clients have actually really enjoyed it. The difference is for most of my clients, I've only ever met them online. Now, I am really excited about actually meeting people in person, having a chat, not necessarily about advice, just sort of just actually meeting them um, face to face, which will be great. Um, but most of my interactions is, are likely to just continue to be online, on screens, etc., cetera, um, with the odd face to face meeting. Because like Emma was saying, the time it takes to for each of you to travel to each other's place of or office or these sort of things, it's time out of your day that you could be helping others. Um, and the key thing is value. Are you really adding the most value to clients in terms of face-to-face -face advice or will the hybrid model allow that sort of charging structure to reduce somewhat where you can A, help more people and then also provide better value to clients um, over the long term? And I think that's what's key. Advisors, as advisors, we have a limited number of people that we will eventually be able to deal with. And that's why the advice gap is so important and why having new people coming into the industry is critical for our sort of long-term industry. Thank you, James. Uh, and thanks, Emma. I think that's a, a great place to uh, end uh, today's podcast. So thank you so much for uh, joining me. And uh, thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week for the next edition of the EFT Advisor podcast. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.